0: Hello again, Peter Bergman here for Radio Free Oz. First day of November, 2011. I guess you'd call this All Saints Day. Well, let's find out what all the saints are doing out there on Radio Free Oz. In the Daily Beast, a good blog, E.J. Dionne Jr. says we may be reaching an inflection point. The moment when the terms of the political argument change decisively. How exciting! to be at an inflection point. Three indicators, an important speech by Representative Paul Ryan, an increasingly sharp tone of President Obama's rhetoric, and the success of Occupy Wall Street in resisting attempts to marginalize the movement. Ryan spoke of his disappointment that the politics of division are making a big comeback. He's the father of division. He accused Obama of using divisive rhetoric and of going from town to town impugning the motives of Republicans, setting up straw men and scapegoats, and engaging in intellectually lazy arguments. I saw pictures of him on his tour. I didn't see any straw men or scapegoats on stage with him, but perhaps the angle of the lens wasn't wide enough. Ryan says instead of working with us, yeah, that's what he's been trying to do for two years, on common sense reforms, he says the president is barnstorming swing states, pushing a divisive message that pits one group of Americans against another on the basis of class. I think if that's true, he took his textbook from the Republicans. Now, As Dion says, it does take some temerity for a Republican to charge Obama with divisiveness, given that the GOP's willingness to promote or countenance assaults on the president as a socialist, as someone not even born in the United States, as a supporter of death panels, etc., etc. Republicans calling Obama divisive is the equivalent of those of us who are Red Sox fans criticizing other teams for folding under pressure. But what's most instructive is that Ryan would not have given this speech if the GOP were not worried that it's losing control of the political narrative. Remember, deficits, uh, cutting regulations, cutting taxes, they had that on the front pages for months and months and months, and now it's turning around. In particular, growing inequalities of wealth and income, that's the issue now, which should have been a central issue in American politics for at least decades, are now finally at the heart of the discourse. Ryan offered the classic defense of inequality. Here it comes. Arguing that what really mattered was upward mobility and that the United States had more of it than those horrible welfare states in Europe. Quote Ryan, class is not a fixed designation in this country. We are an upwardly mobile society with a lot of movement between income groups. The only problem, is that upward mobility has declined as inequality has grown and social mobility is now higher in Europe than it is in the US. So Ryan is using a great Republican tactic, lying. Now that is shameful, this, this lack of upward mobility. And don't believe me, says Dion, Republican presidential candidate Rick Santorum brought this up in a recent debate, backed up by a study from the Economics Mobility Project. It's hard to justify more tax cuts for the wealthy in a country that is becoming more rigidly stratified by class. And if it is class warfare simply to acknowledge the facts, does this make Santorum a class warrior? All of which explains why efforts to taint Occupy Wall Street as nothing more than a bunch of latter-day hippie radicals hasn't worked. It's also why Obama, by sharpening his arguments about what's fair and what's unfair, has finally stopped his slide in the polls. A recent survey by the Washington Post and the Pew Research Center showed Occupy to be more popular now than the Tea Party, which keeps losing ground. The poll also showed that these two movements are quite distinct. They are not part of some generalized protest. Only 10% of those surveyed supported both Occupy Wall Street and the Tea Party, and as colleague Greg Sargent has documented tirelessly on many of the core issues, if favoring higher taxes on millionaires and believing in a more even distribution of income and wealth, public opinion strongly supports the anti-Wall Streeters. Well, that's good news. Let me tell you something there, Mr. GOP. If you think you're gonna bring us back talking about deficits and how if we get rid of like asbestos regulations and send three-year-olds into the mines we're all going to get rid of this big double dip. Well, let me tell you, buddy. Everything Everything you know is is wrong. wrong. Hey, honey, why don't you come up to my hotel room and let me show you my 999. Oh, poor Herman Cain. We don't know if these um, allegations are true, but he certainly is changing his story. When initially confronted and asked by a reporter, have you ever been charged with sexual harassment? He stood for a moment with a great blank stare and said back, have you ever been accused of sexual harassment? Now that's presidential material. Well, what do the Republicans want? I mean, who do they want? What kind of candidate are they looking for? According to Republican strategist, Ed Rogers, who's been around for a long time. He said, our team wants someone authentic, creative, fresh, bold, and likable. I go for that. And we don't have much tolerance for too many facts. Uh Uh-oh. Or too much information. Oh, no. In politics, a bumper sticker always beats an essay. Well, he may be more on it than I'd want to believe. And then we have George Will, the great conservative pundit, who has a few words on Mr. Romney. He said, A straddle is not a political philosophy. It is what you do when you do not have one. Romney, supposedly the Republican most electable next November, is a recidivist reviser of his principles who is not only becoming less electable, he might damage GOP chances of capturing the Senate. Oh, we can only hope. Republican successes down the ticket will depend on the energies of the Tea Party and other conservatives who will be deflated by a nominee whose blurry profile in caution communicates only calculated trimming." Oh, Mr. Will does love his alliteration. Caution, communicates, calculated, trimming. I would like to watch the Tea Party deflate. Now, that I'd pay for that. I wouldn't pay for the Cain-Gingrich uh, debates, <laughs> the Lincoln-Douglas debates, and which of those two bozos is Lincoln. But I would pay to watch the Tea Party deflate. Now, back to to will on romney republicans may have found their michael dukakis a technocratic massachusetts governor who takes his bearings from data has conservatism come so far surmounting so many obstacles to settle at a moment of economic crisis for this hi this is willard romney but you can call me mitt because it tests better and welcome to romney's empty suit store Nothing covers an emperor who has no clothes like a Romney empty suit. Cut out of whole cloth, there's plenty of room in the rear for backpedaling, and every Romney empty suit is stench-guarded and teflonized so that no matter how many times you flip-flop or stretch the truth, you come up wrinkle-free, smelling like a rose. Need a cravat? I have a fine selection of neckwear that will tie you to Wall Street, K Street, or Easy Street. Take your choice. And, of course, shoes make the man. So step into a pair of Romney Triangulators. Their self-adjusting hydraulic heels keep your head above water when you're in, out of your depth. So visit me at Romney's Empty Suit Store, running continuously since 2006. And if you know the secret handshake, you're welcome to shop our exclusive selection of Mormon underwear in the back. When my liberal friends at the coffee house bewail the makeup of the Obama administration and the personnel in the White House, often do I hear, Why isn't Paul Krugman there? Well, I love Paul Krugman. I'd like to see him at the president's elbow, but I don't know if it will ever happen. Here's Paul's latest. A few years back, Representative Barney Frank coined an apt phrase for many of his colleagues. Weaponized Keynesian, defined as those who believe that the government does not create jobs when it finds the building of bridges or important research or retrains workers. But when it builds airplanes that are never going to be used in combat, that is, of course, economic salvation. Representative Buck McKean, Republican of California, once attacked this Obama stimulus plan because more spending is not what California or this country needs. But two weeks ago, writing in the Wall Street Journal, McKean, now the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, warned that the defense cuts that are scheduled to take place if the super committee fails to agree would eliminate jobs and raise the unemployment rate. Hey, can't have it both ways there, buddy. First things first, military spending does create jobs when the economy is depressed. Indeed, much of the evidence in Keynesian economics works comes from tracking the effects of past military budgets. Some liberals dislike this conclusion, but economics isn't a morality play. Spending on things you don't like is still spending, and more spending would create more jobs. But why would anyone prefer spending on destruction to spending on construction? Prefer building weapons to building bridges? Keynes himself offered a partial answer 75 years ago when he noted a curious, preference for wholly wasteful forms of loan expenditure rather than for partly wasteful forms, which because they are not wholly wasteful tend to be judged on strict business principles. Indeed, spend money on some useful goal like the promotion of new energy sources and people start screaming, "Solandra, waste! Spend money on a weapon system we don't need and those voices are silent because nobody expects F-22s to be a good business proposition. To admit that public spending on useful projects can create jobs is to admit that such spending can in fact do good, that sometimes government is the solution, not the problem. Fear that voters might reach the same conclusion is, I'd argue, the main reason the right has always seen Keynesian economics as a leftist doctrine, when it's actually nothing of the sort. However, spending on useless or even better destructive projects doesn't present conservatives with the same problem. So. I welcome the sudden upsurge in weaponized Keynesianism, which is revealing the reality behind our political debates. At a fundamental level, the opponents of any serious job creation program know perfectly well that such a program would probably work for the same reasons that defense cuts would raise unemployment. But they don't want voters to know what they know because that would hurt their larger agenda, keeping regulation and taxes on the wealthy at bay, Oh ma, watch out, here comes that .05 raise in our taxes. I won't be able to gold plate the handles on the john in my second yacht. You don't think that scares the wealthy? You don't think those kind of conversations are going over eight to 10 or $15 martinis at some swish bar? Well then my dear listeners, everything you know is wrong.